Two years ago, I was sitting in a room and I was desperate. I was completely desperate to find something sharp. I started my search with the picture on the wall, trying to pull it down, hoping for a piece of metal, a screw, a nail, but it was bolted in. So I went to the dresser and I searched the drawers. And I went to the desk and I searched the drawers. And frustrated in my search, I even ran my hand over every inch of wood of that desk, desperate for even a sliver of broken wood, anything that would work. But there was nothing. So I started my search again because I had no other choice. I went to the picture frame, I went to the dresser, the desk, the picture frame, the dresser, the desk. This moment had started four days earlier when I checked myself into a psychiatric facility in Arizona for the treatment of depression. I'd known I was going to do this for months, and I was excited. It was something I needed, and I hoped that this would be the place that could help me that this would be where the people would know how to fix whatever was broken inside of me. But all of that changed the instant I walked through the door. Suddenly, this was the biggest mistake I had ever made. <laughs> I wanted out. I walked everywhere with my eyes glued to the ground, and I only spoke when asked a direct question. I had to get out. This was the biggest mistake. This wasn't going to work. Nothing could change. And this rolling tumble of thoughts grew until I broke. And I found myself in my room, desperately searching. The picture frame, the dresser, the desk. The picture frame, the dresser, the desk. Really, though, this moment had started more than a decade earlier. I had been a bright child. I played piano, I devoured every book I could get my hands on, I debated, I played softball, I starred in church plays, I was a favorite of parents and teachers, and I was someone with a bright future just laid out in front of them. But underneath, I didn't feel like a bright child. I was really just holding on. And soon the cracks began to show. And my grades began to drop. The cracks got bigger, and it became very apparent that something was really wrong. At 16, I was diagnosed with severe depression. By 18, I was home being homeschooled because I couldn't sit through a class without a panic attack. I didn't have enough concentration to put together a sentence on a piece of paper, much less write a whole paper. I graduated by the grace of teachers who remembered the person that I had been and believed that I could be that person again. After graduation, I went to college. 
because that was what was expected of a person with a bright future. But nothing had really changed. I still couldn't sit through a class, and I still didn't have any concentration. And so I failed. Semester after semester, class after class, I failed. With these failures came the therapist. I learned how to properly breathe. I learned how to journal. I did art therapy. I did group therapy. When all of that still didn't work came the psychiatrist. And with each new psychiatrist came a new diagnosis. And with each new diagnosis came another medication. And then two, and then five, and then eight, and then 10. Until I was functional. But there was no joy in my life. There was no laughter, there were no friends. There was no room in my life for anything but survival. And this is how I found myself in Arizona and in my room, searching for something sharp. Went to the picture frame, to the dresser. But this time, when I opened the desk drawers, I sought a pink, paperclip and I thought it's all I've got <laughs> so I took that pink paperclip off my intake papers I felt the ends to decide which was sharpest and then I straightened it out and I took my pink paperclip and I drew it across my arm I was desperate for some physical distraction from the emotional torment. Some physical manifestation of the emotional agony that existed inside my head. And as I sat there and I tried and I tried to cut myself with this pink paper clip, I took a step back and I looked at the scene in front of me and I thought, this is ridiculous. <laughs> and I knew then that I had a choice. I could either walk down the hall, go up to the nurse, hand over my pink paper clip and say, I cannot be trusted with this. <laughs> or I could continue as I had been in this life that was probably going to kill me. And I took a moment, and another moment, but then I decided. And I got up, and I chose to ask for the help that I needed. And the next day I chose again. I chose to get up out of bed. I chose to greet people on my way to breakfast. And I chose to speak up in group and say, Will someone sit with me at lunch because I have been sitting alone and I cannot do this by myself? And someone sat with me. And I realized that it was never going to be just one choice to ask for help. It was going to be a thousand choices each and every day. And throughout my time and my choices that I made in Arizona, I began to find this nugget of a person inside the shell that I had become. 
And I carried that through when I went back home. I was in school at the time, and this time I chose to go to class. And I chose to make it through the paper, no matter how hard it was. And I graduated. And then I kept on choosing, and the choices got bigger. I chose to move to Portland. I bought a house, I got a job, and I created this life. And it's not big. I go to work, I go to the dog park, I drink whiskey with my friends. <laughs> Sometimes I drink whiskey at the dog park with my friends. <laughs> very ordinary, but that is earth-shattering for me. 